It's like Vision Pro Week or whatever. It's Vision Pro Day. Today is Vision Pro Day? Today is Vision Pro Day. Oh, jeez. And there, there's been so much Vision Pro content. And on top of that, the reviews are like crazy long. Yeah. yeah. MKPHDs was like 37 minutes. I saw that. I was going to watch it yesterday. Didn't have 37 minutes. Yeah. I watched some of it. I still haven't finished it. And like all good and that sort of thing. And uh, I was listening to ATP today and they're like, yeah, we don't have ours yet. So we're not going to talk about it. And I was like, I'm kind of happy about that. Maybe like get a little bit of reprieve from all the Vision Vision Pro content. And uh, that's I think that's what our podcast is today. Yeah. Just yeah. Get it, giving people a little bit of break. I like it. I from like all it. that Vision Pro. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about it enough. We have. Not that long ago either. Nope. Not that long ago. I did have a question for you that I've been meaning to like ask you all week, but okay. I'm like, this would be a weird non sequitur. And so I've just basically saved it up to this mm, point. What is it? Have you seen the rumors for the X100? I still don't know how to say this. Six? X1, VI? X100, the sixth. Oh my God. X100, X100 V, the second. <laughs> there we go. That's pretty good. I don't, what, whatever they're going to call that, uh-huh. that stinging thing. Did you see the the rumored pricing? So the pricing I saw was fifteen ninety nine, right? And I I didn't look that much into the other rumors, but I did see that the rumor said this makes sense because it's going to have a forty megapixel sensor. Sure. So original X one hundred V, like fourteen hundred dollars, I think. So it's really like a two or three hundred dollar yeah, premium. That's what I was seeing about two hundred dollar. Yeah. Increase. Which, in line with basically every price bump we've seen from Fuji in the last year. Yeah. This seems totally solid as far as rumors go. $1,600 is quite a bit. It's a lot of money. You know how much an X-T5 costs? Not that much more like than that. $1,800, yeah. right? And I think, I feel like I could get a used X-T5 for the same price as a new X-100 V the second. I mean, I think you're right, but those really aren't comparable. It's like, do you want portability? Do you want the Instagram clout or do you want a really capable camera? Not that much different. I mean, it sounds like the new one's going to have a Reala Ace. Mm-hmm. And like maybe or maybe not they do a firmware update for all the other cameras. And, and that's just going to be that's gonna be annoying. Yes. I don't like that Fuji's doing that. No. Anyway, you've been talking about like, Lucas, I think I'm going to pre-order one of these bad boys because it basically could replace my X-T30 combo thing. And also, like, it probably would be instantly more valuable, you know, in six months or something. And true or not, who knows, does the price that's rumored make any sort of difference to you at this point? It's hard to say. I mean, yes, it does. But, I mean, it's only $200 more. So, I think maybe more, it just makes me realize how expensive these cameras actually are. So expensive. And that is a lot of money. I mean, if you think about buying you know any any sort of new camera like another good comparison is something like an s5 mark ii is not sure. that much more expensive and it's like which would you rather have i mean the x100v does come with a lens so I mean, that's a that's a yeah. factor that's kind of not you know kind of ignoring here like totally different trade-off it's mm-hmm. still the cheapest thing in this yeah. line of cameras like high-end compact premium and i mean fixed lens if it does have the 40 megapixel sensor i feel like you 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 really are getting a pretty compelling value for the $1,600. Like a 40 megapixel camera in that like size and price is pretty good, but I don't know. It was a lot of money. Okay. I found a like new on KEH XT5 for $1,594. Oh, 96. Wow. Oh, wait, 46. Sorry. 
So, yeah. you know, a wee bit cheaper. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just two different people buying those two cameras, I feel like. But except I'm, for you. You, no, you except would, for you me. Would want, you I'm want the them. one person who would be cross shopping an XT five and an X one hundred V I Well, I mean I would clear if if the XT five is in your consideration at all, I would clearly say it's better than the X one hundred, whatever. Because you can use different lenses. I mean, that just instantly gives you more flexibility. But I'm thinking of, of situations where they say, you know, professional cameras. And I'm like, what about this? It's a uh, it's fixed lens. Like, this isn't professional. Wink. Mm. It's 40 megapixels. Watch out. They don't even know. <laughs> they have no idea. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I, gonna, I would rather bring my, my Minolta Hymatic yes. AF2 because it's uh, so cool. But, you know, maybe I want to bring a digital camera. Yeah. yeah. And the point is, Daniel, does this change anything for you? That's that's where I'm getting I've at. Been, I've been struggling with that question because I've said, I, I think that if you want to get one of those cameras anytime in the next six months, you're going to have to be ready to pre-order. The instant pre-orders are available. And we don't know when that's going to be. That could be when the when the X, X Summit happens. It could be weeks or months later. We just don't know. But do you remember? I feel if, like you've got to be prepared to make that decision. Do you remember if the X Summit is in Japan or not? I can't. I can't remember where it is. No, I don't remember. X Summit 2024. Uh, I think it is because I think it corresponds with some sort of. It is in Tokyo. Yeah, it corresponds with with one of the um, one of the trade shows, but I don't know which one. So that would mean usually they do it at some reasonable time in Tokyo, which means it will be at some unreasonable time here. Yeah. So you're gonna be preparing that thing at like 3 a.m. or something. Could it'll be. be just like an Apple event. Yeah. Could be worth it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know either, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, kind of just have to wait and see what the details are. You know, I, I don't want to be one of those people that pre-order something with the intent of scalping it. I don't think I would do that. That's yeah. That's but, not. That's not. But then cool. there's. But that, that's like the most uncool. And then the medium uncool is I'm going to pre-order this, but I might cancel the pre-order before that thing actually ships. Mm-hmm. And then the you know the coolest thing is I'm going to pre-order this because I want it. And I mean that's a, that's a spectrum. I don't know where I'm going to fall on that spectrum. I probably would not pre-order it just to sell it. Yeah, that's not cool. But I could see pre-ordering it. I could see pre-ordering it to decide later. So we'll wait and see. All right. Well, you're you running out of time. Yeah, I know. Lots to think about. Yeah, this is keeping me up at night. So yeah. well, yeah, I wasn't not surprised. Oh, and like what? You know, just go ahead and start the show, and then I'll, I'm going to give you a little bit more. Uh, it's not follow up. It's more like. Uh, it's not feedback. Uh, I'm going to come, come return to a previous topic that we talked about with more information. All right. Well, after that, professional lead in. <laughs> Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're here today to talk about the gear, software, and techniques we use to shoot photos and video. I don't know if it was the last episode or if it was the episode before last or... I, don't, I have no idea. Who knows? Who knows? Well, maybe the listeners know. I don't know. Write in or not. You 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 handed me a flash and you were like, you told me this great story about the batteries and you were like, hey, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Check it out. And I was like, super, super cool. I went home. I tried to like take the battery door off to put new batteries and like couldn't. I think you sent me a picture of it and you said, does this come off? And I said, that is a bad sign that you're asking that question. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it was. Couldn't get it off. I like used the rubber side of a of a screwdriver to like, you know, 
push it down hard enough to like get enough friction to get the cover off. Take it off. It is just an explosion of battery acid. I don't know what it is about that product that makes it like prone to exploding batteries because batteries don't normally do that. And that's the second time it's happened in that product. Well, I was I was under the impression of, I was, of two two things that went through my mind. One, did Daniel not actually clean out the batteries from this? Doesn't seem like him. But did he just like close up, put it away? <laughs> I'll deal with that later. Or did he not learn his lesson and then store it again with batteries? <laughs> I can't honestly say which one of those happened. It could be either. I'm more inclined to think it's the latter, but I, I just can't say. No, neither instilled confidence. <laughs> I feel like if I had a flash, especially one as expensive as that flash, it's not that expensive, but like it's a decent flash. It's like an icon speed light. Maybe don't store with batteries. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're right. But what if you want to use it? You know, what if you're like, I need this thing available at a moment's notice. I need to keep batteries in it. So it's ready to go. I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to blanket statement this. If you're out there and you own a flash, don't store it with the batteries in it if you're going to store it for like more than a week. Maybe just don't. It's probably good advice. I wish somebody had told me that three years ago or whenever I did this. <laughs> you just didn't learn your lesson. <laughs> so what happened? What did you end up doing? I, I forcefully removed the batteries mm-hmm. and using uh, isopropyl alcohol and uh, vinegar, not at the same time, because I would have made mustard gas. That's not true. I cleaned it out and I tried to remove all the battery acid and I couldn't get it to work. Mm, that's a shame. So I did what anyone would do in my situation and I emergency bought a flash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> it was like, what is a, cause I don't know if I'm going to ever use, like, am I going to get into flash photography? Who knows? Like, what is a, like a decent brand name that I recognize? And that's like a, a reasonable flash that works with my camera. And I landed on like a, a Godox, TTL 35 or something. I, I still can't even remember remember the name of that stinking flash. I went to the camera store to buy it. And I'm like, like the cheap one. <laughs> it's like, just like, get, what, like which one? I have three. Like, which one do you want? I'm like, oh, that one. It, it was very embarrassing. But point is, I bought like the cheapest Godox flash that works with my camera. And uh, now, I'm, now I'm a big flash guy. Yeah. Yeah. You seemed pretty into it when I saw it you with it. Turns out, been sleeping on flashes this whole time. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, you got to tell us more about that. Yeah, well, that's why we're here. Dan. All right, not just to give you a hard time about your battery storage practices. I mean, it feels like it's mostly that, but if you've got more, then I guess we can. Have talk about you that. considered other things in your house where you're not storing the batteries properly? I know that you keep your drone batteries like in a fireproof box. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty pretty careful with those. Yep. What about all the other batteries, Daniel? I mean. Like, what's in your closet right I mean, now? I, I've got to be worried about this now because I would not have thought that I would have stored batteries in that flash, and I clearly did. Do you, do you so, have, like, a, a copy know. of the, um, the Taboo game with, like, the, the horn thing? Oh, man. Does that still have the batteries in Pro- it? Probably. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I've gotten better about it. I mean, I've definitely learned to not store batteries in things. But the problem is, a lot of times I have something where I do think I'm going to use it a week later, and then I forget about it, and I don't use it a week later. And then years pass. And the batteries explode. <sighs> I don't know what to do about this. I guess nothing. Probably nothing. Just keep, you just keep doing, don't worry about yeah. it. It's not worth the mental space. Mm-hmm. That is a problem for future Daniel. <laughs> or me, apparently. Yeah, or you. <laughs> okay. So I shot this dance thing 
And I was so thankful that I bought that flash because it was so dark. It was on dark the dance floor. Yep. And and like I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going. I I shot I shot it with mostly 2.8 zooms. I think I I think I shot maybe half the pictures with the 17 to 70. Yeah, you did. Best lens. Jeez. It was it was perfectly fine. I was shooting video and that was most of what I used to. I I thought, you know, that I was going to shoot with like my 50 to 140 and my 56 12 because of like light and distance and like, oh, I can probably off to the side and shoot the thing. But I found that like as I'm kind of getting more and more pictures, the ones that I thought were working out the best and that I liked the most were where I was closer to the people and kind of getting more of like a, a wide a wide shot where it's like you can kind of see a lot of stuff behind them, but they're like big in the frame. And I thought those were really fun. They kind of had a lot more energy than tight shots. And also it was like hard to frame through all the people on the dance floor to like get the shot that you need. And so it was like I had to go into the dance floor and like line up my shots and do all the subject and that sort of thing. I mean, that was what I would call a dynamic environment. Yeah. Like, I think we can tell people it was a daddy daughter dance. Sure. And I was... At one, so I I tried to stay on the outskirts and use a long lens, which is what I would do normally at an event, kind of yeah. like shoot. Yeah, you kind of want to stay out of the way. But people are moving around so fast that every time I lined up a shot, somebody would run in front of it. Yep, definitely. And so I was like, fine, I'm just gonna put the seventeen to seventy on there, go full wide, and I'm just gonna go in there and start getting stuff. Yolo. And I did that, and I was getting some good stuff. But the problem is, you know, you get these dads in there. And they've got, they've got their little daughter and they, they like, they grab their daughter's hands and they just start spinning them around like a medieval, like melee weapon. <laughs> it's, I mean, I think that maybe like we, we both have our drone license certification and there's a lot of talk about machismo. And I feel like when you get dads into a room in a daddy daughter situation and now all of a sudden their dance partner is like less than they bench. Oh yeah. It's like. Like you, you, maybe you want to show off a little bit. Well, I can toss my daughter three feet in the air. Oh yeah, I can toss my daughter five feet in the air. Mm. And now like da- daughters are just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was getting kicked in the head. I was having to make sure the camera didn't get knocked out of my hands. It was wild. It was. Absolutely wild. I don't. I don't think you're exaggerating. <laughs> Honestly, not. <laughs> It was it was crazy. It, it, it sounds like we're doing a bit. We are not doing a bit. <laughs> Maybe like a little bit of a bit. <laughs> oh jeez. But yeah, so you know, like a lot of seventeen to seventy, a little bit of fifty six one two. But the like shooting at two point eight on APSC, like after kind of working through that, I was like, man, if I did this regularly, I would want one. I would want a camera with a more comfortable grip, and two, two like. I guess I, mean, I could dig into that, but two probably would need full frame. Yeah, just for the light gathering. Just a little extra light. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the flash saved me. I I shot almost all my images with the flash, and I really, I had done a lot of practicing before. Like, I bought it a couple days before, and I was flashing everybody in my house. <laughs> Not like that, but I was just like, the dogs were just, mm-hmm. they were just, yeah. stop it. Yeah, they're, they're, they've got PTSD from that for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, just so much flashing. So, what did you? What was your setup? Did you uh, like? Did you have a modifier on it? Did you point it straight at the people or point it up? How'd you do that? I had like a soft modifier on it, and it kind of varied. So, with the flash, it's like you can kind of decide where if you want to bounce the light and kind of do like more dramatic lighting on one side, or if you just kind of want to try to light the room and shoot straight up or shoot mm-hmm. it behind you. Mm-hmm. 
or you can point it like right at them and have them like just blow up, you know, as far as like super, super bright and then the dark, the background behind them is crazy. Yeah. Like somebody's photo on MySpace from 2003. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But that's coming back, Daniel. You don't I, even know. No, it kind of is. People yeah. want those right at wedding reception photos where it's like, psh, huge mm-hmm. flash. Yep. And so I was kind of actually went, I went for that look in certain situations because it's kind of in right now. I mean, a lot of photography, it feels like follows trends and styles. And that right now is kind of a style. So there was a lot of that and on purpose, but it seemed like in general, you know, you expose for the, how bright you want the background to be. And then you let the flash do its TTL thing to expose properly. I was about to ask that because you can, with most of these flashes, you can either set it into an auto mode or you can manually set the power. I was Mm -hmm. curious which of those you did. I use the auto and then I use the exposure adjustment to kind of ride up and down how much it was, how bright it was making things. And then I exposed for the background, like as low ISO as I could reasonably go with. And then I, I shot with a flash like that because yeah. I didn't want them to be like so bright in the background to be totally dark. Mm-hmm. And that like generally worked and I feel like I got a pretty good handle on it. I didn't do too many of like the rear flash sync light trails where you like set it to a rear shutter instead of front shutter. And then you set your shutter speed like really, really low. So you get a bunch of like motion blur, but then the flash freezes your subject. Really similar to like a billion years ago whenever we were doing all that like long exposure flash stuff yeah that was that was a lot of fun of like it's me but like i'm in 10 different places yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's 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 basically the same concept except you're doing it kind of on a shorter duration it could have been cool in that situation but maybe something there were some people with like glowy lights on their head so i tried to get a few of those and i just didn't want to like spend too much time doing it like i'm telling you i learned so much about flash (laughs) photography i learned like how like front shutter back shutter sync and like what ttl means and like how to do manual man i'm like a flash expert now (laughs) crazy i was like i need i need more flashes i need to like put them on poles and stuff mm-hmm. i'm probably never gonna use this flash again <laughs> it, was, it was worth it was worth all 80 dollars. i mean I it seems like maybe it's the right tool for that job so i could see you do using it again if you did something similar it was exactly the right tool i am just basically it made all my pictures come out i don't know what i would have done without it yeah i probably would have shot on the 1.256 more because those ones i could get away with without the flash those are fairly decent I barely use the 50 to 140. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what I, what I want to talk about besides like how now I'm a big, big flash guy. Mm-hmm. Big flash guy. Big, yeah, huge. Like just, it's enormous. I there, I found a soft box that you can put on a flash. It's like 48 inches. <laughs> I'm that flash guy. <laughs> Anyways, I going into this, I was like, I'm going to try to do the two camera thing. Like Daniel's been talking it up and Usually when we shoot events, it's a lot of hybrid stuff and I just use the one camera. And so this time I was like, I'm going to try like speed things up, two lenses, two cameras, and I'm just going to, you know, swap between them and figure it out. And so I, man, I tried, I did, I tried doing like the clip on my belt and then the camera on a strap. And I realized how much I hate dealing with straps mm. like so much. Cause you like, you try to like go sideways or go, go yeah. straight and like the straps like in the way. Now if you have, a, if you don't have a, like a photographer style screen where that just tilts, if you have a, a stupid flippy screen, like all those video people want, it gets in the way of the strap. Yep. And it's like dealing with that was a nightmare. So yeah. like, I just can't. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll put one of the cameras on a strap and like just hold the other camera. But then like, what do I do about like when I need to set it dig to, put the other one up and then and so i was like okay i'll have my sling bag so i'm gonna try putting one camera in the sling bag 
And then I'm going to like hold the other one and I'll like swap between and like that wasn't really working. So like I moved my capture clip from my belt to my bag and I was like, maybe that works. That didn't work. Mm. And I just like gave up. Yeah. Halfway it sounds like you're night, really struggling with that. I was like, screw it. I'm not, too, I'm not a two camera guy. That's it. I'm a big flash guy. I'm not a two camera guy. I can't even like put my, my flash on my camera in my bag because it's too tall. Yeah. And like, I don't want to hang it off the thing because it's all this weight. <sighs> I just, it's too much. I tried two straps at the same time. I tried to do like double strap and like they kept like getting caught over each other. And I'm like, I get that. I guess that's why people buy those like money, make, money maker harness things. Yeah. It was, it was ridiculous. It was like halfway through. I just gave up and I was like, I'm just going to switch lenses. Yeah. Like that's the one I'm going to do. And that, that worked for me. So do you know what, like in, in, uh, you know, in the middle ages, in the, in the age of, of knights going into battle, mm-hmm. how they would have, somebody that was a squire that would, you know, go along with them and have all their equipment, you know, and like give them the... Like a sword bearer? Yeah, yeah. They, they you know, have have somebody that's like, you know, got all their weapons and stuff to hand okay. them things. I think help, I know where you're going with this, Daniel. On. What if you had, and like, you need an intern that their entire job is to follow you around with extra cameras and lenses and flashes? This is this is an incredible idea. <laughs> it really is. This is. This is so good. This is how the youths can learn photography. Oh my gosh. What? Why haven't we done this before? <laughs> this is genius. They can have the second camera, yeah. and you can just be like, put this lens on there, mm-hmm. swap this out, and just hand and hand you the other one. Oh my gosh! Yep, be great. Wedding photographers are sleeping on that. <laughs> they really are. Like just like I was sleeping on the flashes. What are they doing? Why don't they have a person that follows them around? Pay them fifty bucks. Yeah. Don't drop the gear. Yeah. Oh, they dropped the gear. Mm. Oh my gosh. They could have like a little leash or something. <laughs> you don't lose them. There you go. This is good. Yeah. This is really good. I, I, th- I think this warrants further exploration. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for me, if I got a short enough person to do it, like a child, not like a real child, but like a small person, but not like that kind of small person, <laughs> Daniel, stop it. Just like I'm a hundred feet tall. If the person that I got was like 20 feet tall, I could just shoot over them. There, yeah, there you go. I mean, like, oh, like I'm shooting. Mm-hmm. They're just in front of me. Yeah. And I just, Drop the camera. They catch the hand me another camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah you basically just like lower your hands to waist height, mm-hmm. and then there's there's your next camera ready to go. Genius. This is so good. <laughs> Anyways, that, that's that's basically like that's basically it here. I kind of wanted to talk to that experience of like, boy, two cameras is way harder than I thought it was. That's interesting. And I thought I thought that was the solution. That I was a two camera person, and I think I'm just not. Yeah. I mean, it might be a problem if you were a wedding photographer, but you know, this is, this is probably not going to become your main thing. You'll, you'll do this on occasion, but you're not going to be regularly shooting events. So it's probably not that big of a deal and you probably shouldn't really spend time trying to figure out a solution. I was surprised at how uncomfortable the grip of my camera got. I haven't had that problem before mm. and it kind of got a little uncomfortable. I haven't noticed that. Yeah. What if I took, you know, like they have those hot shoe mount things where you can put like inappropriate things on your hot shoe for your camera. No, you're going to need to explain what you mean by that. Like what kind of inappropriate things? Like like a, like a carry handle. Oh, okay, that kind of like 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 not safe for work things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> got it. That's what we're talking about. What if you? I think I should just put a camera on my camera. I think that's the solution. Yeah. Is like I can just move up a grip. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe so. I've seen people deal with a GoPro. I've never seen anybody do it with a full size camera. I think it's I think it's genius. You know, they have those like twin reflex cameras where it's two lenses, sure. but like the point was that it didn't have a mirror, wasn't an SLR. Yeah. So like you're looking through one, then you're shooting through one. Mm-hmm. 
bring those back. There you go. And then just let it have two lenses. Pretty good idea. And then you could turn it sideways and shoot 3D. Oh, man. Dan will have an idea. We're not talking about the Vision Pro today. <laughs> We're not. But uh, this is, this. Is, I mean, I don't want to like encroach on our other Kickstarter. Not the wiggle one, but the one with the camera that moves back and forth. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, I don't know if we can compete with ourselves like that. That may be a problem. Hmm. I think this might be better, though. Hmm. Maybe you're right. I'm going to start another Kickstarter. Okay. Yep. What should I call it? Oh, man. I could call it the, uh, nope, that's not a good one. I got nothing. A twin is probably in the name. The double whammy. Ooh, that's pretty good. Double whammy. XL. Yeah, obviously. Max. Ultra? Ultra. Double whammy XL Ultra. I like it. It's perfect. Like it. All right. Yes. So um, everybody can support that. Just uh, type that into your browser, .com or yeah. .biz. We have both. And <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that on your work don't, computer. Yeah, especially don't do that on your work computer. All right. That's a... Uh, is that everything? Did you? What were your thoughts on that event? Did you? Uh, did you learn anything besides that monopods are a gift from God? I'm actually glad you reminded me about that because I that that is worth mentioning that that was the first event that I've really used a monopod and definitely found that useful. Did you put a fluid head on it? Because from what I understand, that's the only way to use a monopod. No, uh, and the reason I didn't is because the only fluid head I have is a Manfrotto 502 fluid head that's made for like pretty heavy duty cameras and so it's very big and bulky and it kind of makes the entire monopod really top heavy so i just used the head that came with that monopod which is a little benro one um and yeah i mean it wasn't a fluid head so i couldn't really get like the smooth motion and stuff but i was shooting some with my long lens with the 50 to 140 and it was definitely helping just to get a little bit more stability and not have to hold that thing up the whole time yeah it's it's pretty cool uh monopods are Pretty helpful for like the walk around shooting, like photos or video, especially if you're not having to get a ton of movement. I think they're really the helpful. biggest problem, though, is like you know, related to what we were saying before about how it was kind of a chaotic event. The biggest problem is if you have to reposition, you know, if you're like moving from one side of the room to the other, now you have this, you know, long stick that you're carrying around too. And so it kind of makes the whole thing a little bit more ungainly. So I wouldn't use it in every situation, but did you use it to block any sort of kicking maneuvers? I I didn't consider that. That probably would have been a good idea. If I was one who used a monopod frequently, I would want an appropriate fluid head and I would want one where I can step on the pedal and lower it up and down. Mm, that The second part's pretty niche. And, and the only one I know of is that one made by Tiffin or something. And I don't even know if they make that anymore. But it's so cool. It is so like, that's cool. what I want. It's like, I don't want to have to like twist the things. I want to like hit a thing on the floor and go shoop mm. and like just raise and lower it super fast. Yeah. Yep. So using using the i mean you put a fluid head on a monopod because you want to like do some you want to like fake some movements like you can kind of like you can punch in or out yeah you can kind of do like a lean in or a lean mm -hmm. out and make it look like a smooth gimbal shot almost yeah you can kind of get some interesting movements with the fluid head whenever you do that or you have it static and then have kind of like a pan or a turn super handy edelchrome released something very similar to this concept <laughs> yes they did that's, that's the best I got for the segue. Is it is it is basically fluid head for a monopod, but entirely different. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a motorized tripod. This is the most insane thing I think I have ever seen. It, it really is, and I mean, yeah, I've got a lot of thoughts on this thing, positive and negative, but it's very unique. I've never seen a product quite like this. I wanna I wanna describe it for like ten minutes. Okay, 
in rigorous detail. It is it is a tripod. And there are no cross supports all the way down. It is three legs that come to a point and there is no center center shaft that goes up and down. It's just three legs that come to a head and then there's a, there's a, a tripod head mount thing on top of it. And then at the very bottom at the base the three legs connect together in um, like a like a triforce or something or like a uh, you know what like the Y looks like on a, on like a Y style transformer? No, of course not. Uh, it looks like a Y. How about that? You know yeah. the letter Y? Similar. Yeah. yeah. Also a peace sign. That's better. You, uh, you know that that world piece we keep talking about? Here it is. Tripods. Anyways, made out of aluminum, but this thing fully motorized. I mean, do you remember that self-balancing tripod? Who made that? Who came I, I up was, with that? I was just looking this up because I made a statement a moment ago where I said I've never seen anything like this. And I realized that's not exactly true because Benro right. uh, has a Kickstarter called for the Benro Theta, which is a self-leveling not even tripod. Not even close. Yeah. That is, that's like. Like you would think that is the same as this and it is not the same as this. Yeah, it's like, you're like, oh, hey, Lucas, I have, a, I have like this iPhone or whatever. Do you have a phone also? And I'm like, yeah, I have a phone, but it's like a Motorola flip phone mm-hmm. from like 1996. Yep. It's, it's like, yeah, they're both phones. It's kind of like these are both tripods. All right. Tell me what this thing does. So it seems like. Besides well, look like something from Tron. Yeah. Yeah. It looks super cool, which, you know, let's, that's half the battle. So it does a couple of things. One is that it does self-level just like the Benro thing. So you can set it down and. I mean, in some of this marketing stuff, it's like they put it on like stairs or like a step. Like it's like a, a very unbalanced situation and it can balance itself and be level, which is really cool. It can individually adjust the length of all three legs mm-hmm. to be level mm-hmm. no matter what. Yep. Yep. You can also use the controller on it to just move the thing up and down. Yeah. Which pretty neat. Well, like Edelchrome, right? I mean, that's their, that's their whole deal. They have... They have heads, they have slides, they have the that pole thing, mm-hmm. they have jibs, and all of these things are like motorized where you can you can program like start stop points, you can manually control the movement, you can like load paths into it, and it does like tracking or all of these like crazy smooth robotic movements. Yep. And like so far, like the coolest thing that you could do is like oh, they make the slide pod, right? No, that's a different company. That's a different thing. That's okay. Moza. That's still a pretty cool thing. It is. But like you could get you could put a an Edelchrome slider and a head on a tripod and it can do like these crazy tracking moments or you could do like a time lapse or whatever. Yep. And super cool. And now the tripod's also part of the motorized movement. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. So they show this in their marketing material and they show some examples of it that look super cool. And they show using it like as a time lapse. So if you want to get like a moving time lapse, you can get your tripod to do that. But there's a note on this page that's, you know, conveniently near the bottom of the page that says that it is not designed to provide movement to the camera during shooting. But they show a thing on the thing where they'll like get this parallax effect and then the, the tripod's like moving while it's shooting. I know, but for it, it makes it's, it, it's literally on the page. So like get parallax video. I know. So what's the deal? Is it is it like maybe there's a little bit of backlash and so they don't want to promise that as a feature? Or is that video just completely misleading? I don't know. But it was an interesting note. To me, that's like the whole reason why this is cool. Yeah. Like, it's cool that it's self-leveling. This thing weighs 20 pounds. Yeah, that's that's the other thing. And uh, did you? how much of this page did you read? Because there's some 
there's some creative marketing going on on this page because they such as they, well so there's you're, a you're talking about on edelcrone.com yes i'm talking i'm calling them out i'm talking about edelcrone.com so so they have an faq at the bottom and one of the questions is how light is it and the way they start this answer is i'm reading this from the page this is word for word we believe that tripod x is the lightest tripod in the world and here's why and they go into this whole thing and I'm sorry. Th- what? Th- th- that's what they say. And I'm, I'm. I mean, this is a long paragraph, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna summarize. Okay. But basically, what they say is, you know, when, it, and and I'll I'll even read this sentence word for word. Since carrying a tripod can be done 99% of the time with wheeled vehicles, no matter the weight, it can be done in an extremely ergonomic way. And we don't think the weight significantly affects its portability. And then they go on to say that they feel like the most important part of a tripod weight is whenever you have it set up and you're trying to move the camera setup up and down. And because this is motorized, it makes that really easy. And so that's how they're saying it's the lightest tripod in existence. You see, you re- read this super long thing, and then they finally get down and say, tripod X weighs nine kilograms. And I stopped right there. And I was like, I think I know how much that is, but maybe I should check. Hey Siri, how much is nine kilograms? And it's like 19.84 pounds. And that is not light. That is not the lightest tripod in the world. I don't know. I don't know what these marketing people are doing, but that was too far. <laughs> I, I got nothing. This is, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. This it's you. You can't. I don't like just because just because it it lifts the camera up and down itself mm-hmm. doesn't mean the whole thing weighs nothing. Yeah. I mean, I can do a pull-up. I don't weigh zero. <laughs> but I go to the doctor and he's like, I don't know, you can stand to lose a few pounds. And I'm like, there's nothing to lose. Watch this. Let's start doing pull-ups. He's like, actually, you're right. You probably should put on, put on some weight. <laughs> you know, not, not to undersell it. I mean, it is annoying when you have your tripod set up, you have your camera on it, and you realize, oh, I really wish this shot was a little bit higher, a little bit lower, and you have to you know, loosen the locks. It, and is, it is legitimately the most annoying thing, especially for video tripods, mm-hmm. because not all of them have a center column. Mm-hmm. And like whenever we were doing that TV show shoot, we had one tripod where we were like, this is the easy tripod, and then we had one tripod that wasn't the easy tripod. And it's like, oh, we have to raise this thing three inches. Yeah. And doing that with this does, <sighs> does legitimately seem a lot better, but- I mean, they're really leaving some stuff out with that because what I see is that carrying tripods in and out of shoots is definitely something that I think about. And I I don't use a wheeled vehicle to carry my tripod into the building. Yeah, I'm thinking like how, how far have I carried a tripod by hand? Mm-hmm. And like it's not a half a mile. But I've, yeah. carried, I've carried tripods pretty decent distances. And, and we're not talking about travel situations. This isn't like I'm climbing a mountain and I want to get a panorama. I mean, like going to shoots. Sometimes you have to carry the tripod a decent distance. And, and 20 pounds is not uh, negligible. How ungainly is this thing? I mean, it says that it's 8 inches in diameter and 30 inches long. That's pretty small. Yeah. like yeah, that's pretty small. That's reasonably small. Mm-hmm. I mean, like... If it's not small, is I mean, I'm worried. I was thinking it was like maybe the size of a softbox or something. Mm. I mean, if it's like, what is it, 30, 30 inches? I mean, that's that's not it's not small, small, but it's not crazy. If we're gonna give them some points, I also think the carrying capacity and the lifting capacity is impressive. So it is really impressive. The carrying capacity is sixty six pounds, which is 
probably more than enough for anyone's gear. And and I bet the reason it's that much is so that you can put like an Edelkrone jib or sure. motorized slider on it. Yeah. Uh, and the lifting capacity is 44 pounds. So even with 44 pounds of gear on it, you can still use the motorized lifting. So it's pretty good. That is pretty good. I mean, you can easily, I, you rig out a cinema thing. Like you're looking at 20-ish pounds, 25 mm-hmm. pounds. I, unless you're going, you're like way up there, like you're shooting some really heavy gear. I feel like we're out, probably going to go over 30 pounds. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, think that, where, where you get to the weight limit, though, is if like you've got your motorized slider and you have a motorized pan head on top of that slider and then you have your camera rig on top of that. Yeah, I could see that. I was thinking of of like uh, people who are doing steady cams and like those like custom built, like legit steady cams they use on Hollywood sets. Mm, yeah. And like those things can be. I mean, you can have like a forty band camera yeah. on those kind okay. of things, but that's where you hit. I, I, maybe that's not necessarily this. I mean, I don't think of Edelchrome as the like Hollywood set tripod. I agree, but I do see this as a tripod you leave on set. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, one one other downside to it is that the maximum height is oh, I guess that says fifty eight inches. So what is that about five feet? Yeah, that's fine, but that's not great. It isn't great. I thought it was higher. Like they, I feel like I saw some things where it was like, "Wow, that thing's impressively high." They must have been shooting it from like two feet off the ground. Yeah, I don't know because I mean, you know, if you're shooting a sitting talking headshot, that's probably fine. But I've frequently used my tripod at higher heights than that. I haven't found anything that says how um, how long the battery lasts. You know, they, they've made some general statements. Okay, so here it says an average of 300 adjustments on a single charge. Fine. Which is probably fine, yeah. Well, like, does that mean you're, you're always charging it between shoots? How do you adjust it when it runs out of battery? Are you just, like, stuck? Can you not collapse it? I feel like they probably already solved those things, but it, it raises a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. I think they might have said something about it going into some kind of, like, emergency power like whenever we run out of power i think maybe it like won't let you do anything other than collapse it or something Mm -hmm. but i don't know it seems like you'd want to charge it before a shoot for sure yeah definitely hopefully those motors have enough resistance like they don't have any hold like they don't need holding torque basically yeah like it'll just i hope so be there and like lock in place yeah so last thing to mention on this thing is the price and the price is high i mean it's like what twenty six hundred dollars yeah yeah, $2,600. It's, it's, it's expensive. So, I mean, there are people listening to this show that have probably spent that much on tripods because professional tripods can cost that much money. Yeah, for sure. But this is where I think this product's kind of weird is that, I mean, I've I've always thought Edelkrone stuff was really interesting. I've always wanted to own some of their motorized stuff because I just, this is the kind of thing I like. You know, it's like technology and filmmaking and I, I think it's cool. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And so I see something like this and I think this is really neat. But, I mean, I don't, like you said, I don't really think of Edelkrone and Hollywood in the same sentence. So, like, I, it's hard for me to view it as professional gear. And especially for something like this where, you know, it's motorized and, you know, they're kind of like pushing the limits of what's possible and all that. It, I would have a hard time thinking that this is a buy it for life type thing. Whereas, like, if I spend $3,000 on a tripod... I feel like I have a reasonable expectation that that's going to last me yeah, like you, 10 or 15 years. You want it to be like the last tripod yeah. you buy. You want it to be bulletproof, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just, 
it's hard. I, I haven't seen this thing in person. Maybe it is bulletproof, but I just have a hard time believing that with all these moving parts and stuff that it's going to stand up the same that one of those would. It has motors in it. It has multiple motors in it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, things, things last a long time. Electric motors aren't crazy. Servos have so many cycles, but even if it's like 150,000 cycles, it has, it has an end of life. Yeah. And like the battery is going to wear out. You have to replace the battery. It's, I think that there's some pretty cool applications for this and it's going to make a lot of sense. The fact that it can do all these motions, especially if you can like pre like right now it says you can't, but if it can get to a point where it's pre-programming motions and filming things yeah, and it's not cool. like losing balance and dropping your camera because oh, that'd be a huge problem. I think that maybe that's where the value is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, cause I would love to own one of their motorized sliders or like the motorized jib and when I first saw this, I was thinking, well, maybe this is just kind of, it can do all the things to, you know, to some extent. And it seems like maybe, I don't know what the gap is. I don't, I don't know why they're saying you can't do it while you, while, while you're recording. Um, but it could be cool for that. I mean, I think it's neat. I just don't want something that's going to weigh 20 pounds and cost $2,600. I don't think that we mentioned that it's called tripod X. Indeed it is. Even though it's a Y on the bottom. <laughs> It's confusing. It's the most confusing thing. There's too, ma- too many X things. Yeah. I feel like Musk ruined X for everybody. Nah. It's still a pretty good letter, but anyway. Yeah. I don't know. This Interesting thing, product. This thing is not quiet. At no. max speed, with max load, it's 60 decibels. I don't know how to compare that to... What, what should I compare that to? Uh, it's a, a normal conversation... It's loud talking, that kind of thing is about 60, 70 decibels is like a vacuum cleaner. Obviously it's like a, you know, a exponential scale. Mm -hmm. And so 60 isn't, it's not like crazy loud, but it like, if you're talking to somebody, it's going to be as loud as you. Yeah. That's kind of, I don't, I mean, I think, I think I did see that you could slow it down. Like you can program it to move slower if you want it to be quieter, which that's, that's a cool uh, compromise. But I mean, I feel like we've frequently been setting up for a shoot and you know a lot of the stuff we do is kind of a quick setup and like the talent is there waiting and something you know and like we're doing setup and talking to them at the same time and i don't know i mean it'd be kind of distracting to you know let me adjust my tripod and like turn on the vacuum cleaner real quick (laughs) i think that some of the uses for this could be really cool gradual movements and obviously it's not gonna be 60 decibels whenever it's moving an inch an inch every 10 minutes or something like that Mm mm-hmm but having something that's like a real slow punch or pan or parallax of your subject, or like if you have a scene where people are, are talking or interacting and you want to like slowly like lift or, or sink as the scene's going on, like you could get some really cool effects going. And it's the kind of thing where like not having to deal with, like if it's just a small movement, not having to deal with like a jib or a slide or someone sure. hand holding, if you want this like precise mechanical motion, this could be a cool option but I worry that the sound could be a problem because you're gonna have to like isolate it out yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah, it does seem like it'd be a problem. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm, I'm I'm blowing that out of proportion, and it's it's really just like, you know, if you have a 15 pound camera and it's moving real slow, it'll be 40 decibels or something, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, hopefully that's what it is. I mean, they they definitely said you can slow it down to uh, improve that. So. Anyway, I just this thing is insane, and I want them to integrate it with the with their head product or their slider product. And I want to see like just some obscene sliding head moving, basically replace like what that robot thing does, but with a weird amalgamation of oh yeah, of Edelcone devices. That would be 
awesome. I also want to see a compilation of people's Edelchrome tripods falling over, <laughs> like where it tries to self-level and then the whole thing tips. Oh no, that'd be so sad. Yep. Just, that's what I want to see. I mean, I never want to see like a lens snapping off at the mount, but also like a, in a little morbid, I kind of want to see it off of this tripod. <laughs> I feel like completely unrelated. We talk a lot on this show about microphones and specifically like lab microphones because it's just so involved in what we do. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I don't know how predominant those products actually are for people and like how much people really care about lav microphones or lav wireless microphone systems. But it feels like we started talking about it and then all of a sudden everyone started releasing <laughs> Their wireless transmitter or audio, whatever systems. It does seem that way because the Rode had the wireless go at one point and then DJI came out the DJI mic. I don't remember the exact order of those. I think the Rode was first. And back then I got the DJI mic. Rode had like two iterations before the DJI mic came out. I think you're right. I got the DJI mic. You kind of thought that it was a, a frivolous purchase. You didn't know why I bought it. Now we use it all the time. Yep. And... Yeah, it seems like there's been a sudden influx of more of those systems. Well, what, I, what I'm trying to get out of here, Daniel, is I don't think it's a coincidence. I think the Camera Gear podcast starts talking about, you know, wireless microphone systems. And now all of a sudden, there's more wireless microphone systems. Lucas, are we thought leaders? Yeah, Daniel. Oh, I think we are. I, I mean... I don't know if I'm prepared for this responsibility. I... I think you should be worried about how much we've been talking about film. Well, I already was worried, but now I'm more worried. There's a, there's a wave coming. Oh no. A resurgence. <laughs> oh no. I really want to see, I really want to see Pentax come out with this film camera that they've been talking about. Rico Pentax is like, we're going to do it. We're going to bring back a film camera. I want it so bad, Daniel. I want it to happen. Well, when that happens, we can talk about it on the show, but not a moment before. What? What if like, what if there's like rumors? Come on. Come on. Please. Please. I don't, I don't know. Come on. Not today. <laughs> Not today. Okay. Okay. What was it? Like a CES or something. Hollyland released, announced, released. Sure. The Lark M2. Yep. And this is not the first wireless microphone they've come out with. It is not. But it is the cutest yeah that's a good that's a good phrase sure it's like a little button it's the size of it's the size of like a loon nobody knows what that is and that's some kind of bird a, a, or something it's like i think that's what they that's what they call the the, the bird coin things the bird coin things yes you, you know no no i don't like for real <laughs> it's like a dollar coin or something yeah right? like in canada yes they call them daniel why am I explaining this to I, you? I don't know. It's like a Sacagawea dollar. <laughs> now, that's not my understand. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm roughly, right? Like, they show a picture of it next to a coin. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It was like a euro it's about or that, something. It's about that size. It's thicker than that. It's sure, about it's that, thicker. Yeah. But it's roughly that size. Like it's, and then they, they, they sell, like, stickers for them. Yeah, like, what? I don't know what's up with that. Like, who's going to want to have an emoji on their face? No, I totally know what's up with it. Like, you can get one maybe looks like a flower or Deadpool. And then you just wear it like a button. <laughs> People are like, is that a microphone? You're like, yeah, it's a microphone. But you thought it was a pin. 
And that's what it is, right? Like, so it's this little like coin shaped thing. Yeah. And that's the microphone mm-hmm. for your wireless system. Yep. It, it is tiny. It it's really like the is. smallest version of this that I've seen. I think they said it was nine grams. Yeah. And so like you, you pin it or magnetize it to your shirt or you can get a necklace for it. You can wear it like a medallion. Mm-hmm. Or like maybe get the gold sticker or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, like there's like a bunch of few different mounting options and it, it doesn't have, it doesn't have a mic jack. It's just like a, stereo microphone you can shoot mm-hmm. in stereo shoot you can record in stereo or mono and it's just like the tiniest thing and you nine grams and you just like put it on yeah. your lapel or in your ear canal and it just it just does the audio yeah i mean it seems pretty ideal for people that want to go you know in public and film themselves mm-hmm. you know doing vlogs or whatever because it's it's pretty inconspicuous unless you put whatever flower sticker on it the the road and the dji are not ungainly but they're not like it's it's kind of like obvious you have a, a microphone on you. Yeah, they're yeah. they're fair like they're probably three times heavier than this. Oh, because like when we use those, we we plug a lav mic in and run the lav like up the talent shirt and then just have it clicked on, clipped on their collar. And I think in when you set it up like that, I think that is even less conspicuous than something like this. Oh, for sure, because the, then you're only you're only dealing with the uh, with the weight of like the lav, kind of like yeah. here's a lav on the mm-hmm. thing. But what we're, I think that this is a response to what a lot of people are doing is just taking just the transmitter and clipping that on their shirt or something. And this is much smaller than the transmitter for either the DJI or the Rode. Yeah, it certainly is. I'm trying to look up how heavy those transmitters are because I'm like super curious. They're 21 grams. Yeah. yeah so, so about twice the weight. About twice the weight. So, you know, I think that like the stickers and stuff kind of make it a little less inconspicuous. It just kind of looks like something that you're wearing. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a pretty cool like little thing. Yeah. And they're clearly selling it at, you know, mostly vloggers based upon their marketing material. But it's like it can, it has to go back to its receiver. But it has, it has multiple different receiver options. You can buy a pack with all of them. But basically it's like this one goes to lightning. This one goes to USB-C. And then this one sits on top of your camera and has a microphone jack out. Mm-hmm. I will say I I know people who would buy this. I think it makes sense as a product. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's what I need, but it's pretty cool. Certainly not. It, it feels like it, it doesn't leave a lot of room for growth. It doesn't record on device. And it's got a decent like recording distance, like 300 meters or something silly. But it's it's going to be probably what's like 2.4 gigahertz. And so it's like it's on the Wi-Fi spectrum. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like super, super fancy about it except for the fact that it's tiny and you can plug it into your phone yeah i mean you shouldn't be using this to record documentary interviews no 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 yeah but it's definitely cool for something quick yeah i agree i think it's neat yeah it's kind of a cool cool i mean it's a little thing it's also just i like seeing that rather than like here's another company making what looks like the same product as everyone else so you know they're they're fulfilling a different niche in the market and like it's it's the same as as the other stuff where it's like it has its own case you stick your your the things into the case and like it'll charge the case will charge basically the air podification of microphone systems yeah yeah it's like built-in batteries you can't replace them they're gonna die in like two years or whatever mm. like it's fine yep but these things cost what like 150 bucks or something yeah it's like 150 180 somewhere in that range. i think it's like you can choose if you want the phone version or the everything version and it's yeah. like depending upon which one you buy you're maybe gonna pay an extra 20 dollars yeah the i think you're right yeah. i know pretty cool probably, probably don't need to spend any more time on that yeah. it's kind of a cool thing we talk about microphones probably too much, but we have to talk about one more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like we, we can't not talk about this one, right? Well, no, it's the successor to the piece of garbage that we can't stop using. <laughs> the Tamron 1770. <laughs>
the other piece of garbage. Oh, geez. That's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good lens, Daniel. It's a good <laughs> lens. It's, it's sharpish and long and fine. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without it. Except for complain less. Like literally, like, but for, for real, like there's nothing wrong with that lens. <laughs> if you need a do-it-all lens, that's it. It is just fine. If you're, and, and that's part of what frustrates yeah. me is that I can't justify getting, getting rid of it. Well, no. Except for the like, if you want to carry a flash with you on a trip that's small, like fits in your bag. Nope. Yep. Not that one. Yep. You said flash, but you meant a lens. I did say you've that, really, didn't yeah, I? You've really I'm got sorry. It. I'm just like really into flashes <laughs> right now. <laughs> I can tell. I mean, I want that Tamron flash. <laughs> yep. They don't like flashes. Do they don't make flashes? They don't make flashes. Whatever. So the DJI mic too. Yeah. 32-bit float. You yep. know, hot new feature yeah, coming, kinda, on, kinda coming figured, down the line. Figured we'd see that. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, like, what else is cool about this? I mean, it's it's like the same stuff, right? It, it integrates with the Osmo without the receiver. It comes with its no receiver. It's got the little stinking case, just like the old one. It does have noise cancellation. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Could it be does. Cool. But the biggest thing that they've changed in this that I think is actually a good feature. First of all, they made the they made the transmitters kind of translucent colored, which looks pretty sweet. All right, I'm into it. That's uh, cool. But but the thing that actually caught my attention about this is that you know they have a little receiver that goes on the camera side, and it has a touchscreen controller thing on it that you can use to you know set the gain and stuff. And they've made a key improvement to this, which is that now it has a uh, like a physical dial on it. And so I think you can probably roll that dial to change gain and stuff. Oh, that's huge. That is a huge improvement because the one that we have that we've been using, when you set the gain, it brings up like this bar graph thing on the screen and you have to try and swipe left and right to change it. And it is very hard to change by one decibel increments on that gain. Oh, for sure. And so having a little physical dial, huge improvement. That's a great improvement. Another one that's maybe uh, not so obvious, you can get the transmitters in white. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. It's great. I mean, like if you if you shoot, I don't know, like weddings or something, and you're looking to like stash a mic on the bride, bold move. Well, I mean, like maybe you're like, it makes sense, right? You want you just like you put sure. a mic on the bride and the groom and like shoot mm-hmm. the wedding, and there you go. Great, great option. Other than that, though, it's like what what else are we doing? Did they, did they add the ability to add a to like pair more microphones? Like maybe you got three trans transmitters. Yeah, I don't think they added anything you know, like that. Can't do that. Yeah. It's still just the two mics. It can still do simultaneous, you know, recording. The thirty-two bit float internal is great. That feels like table stakes now for these kind of things. But other than that, I mean, did they improve the reliability? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're not gonna say whether they did or not, but. I mean, I think it's a fine version too, in the sense that it does give you a couple of nice features that, uh, that dial on the receiver is nice, 32 bit float, noise canceling, and it's about the same price as the other one. I think it's 350, whereas it's, the other yeah. one was 330. Exactly. It's 350. Yeah. And so, I mean, that seems fine. I think you can still buy the old one for like 250. That's kind of neat. Does it not come with labs? And then you have to buy specific labs that work with it. Oh, so we don't know about the second part. It does It does not come with labs. Because the original one doesn't work with every kind of lab. That's right. Yeah. I have a I have a lab that does not work with that uh, mic, and that was really frustrating. Also, doesn't have time code. Yep. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I was going to get at is that, I mean, having, you know, we were kind of waiting to see this product come out because we knew DJI was going to need to match 32-bit float and all that. And now that we can see it compared to the Rode Wireless Pro, I mean, 
you and I haven't tested these, so we can't say for sure, but the Rode Wireless Pro sure does look like a better deal to me because I think it's $400, so you're, you're paying a little bit more money, but they do include a, a wired lav for both of them, yep. which is a huge value. And then it also works with time code. And I think you and I are maybe just more inclined to trust that one since we've had trouble with the DJI mic. Yeah, I don't think I would want to go back into the DJI mics. Like, they're fine. And I know, like, if you're doing mission-critical stuff, none of these products are what you should be buying. You should be buying professional-level gear. I don't care if they say pro. These are not professional Mm -hmm. microphones. But if you got, like, if we're shooting a backup or, you know, we got a, a... boom mic over top and like maybe it's recording on hand and to the camera like maybe that's enough redundancy that for like what we're doing that it works we don't need to spend two thousand dollars on audio gear there's a budget level a production budget level where these make sense absolutely that's that's, we shoot a lot of things in that range yeah exactly and to me like we haven't had the issue with the dji again like yet i think i'm like we we should we should move away from it. I think getting thirty two bit float, getting into time code, and like just moving away from the DJI makes the most sense. And even though it's super cool to see this option, even though it's fifty dollars cheaper, I feel like you still get way more out of the Rode Wireless Pro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just getting those labs included with it, huge value. Yeah, I mean, the windscreens, like the way that they lock on, is nice. And if you have other DJI products, like if you if you had a, a an Osmo Action. I mean, sure. I could see that making like, sense. Like, that would be really cool. But, like, you can also just... do we? This does pair with it. So, like, you could pair the... You get your 32-bit float and have your have it work without the transmitter for your Osmo. But I, I don't think, think you right. can buy the new transmitter separately. No, I think you can. Yeah. Yeah, you can? Uh, they they may be sold out as of this recording, oh, but um, I think you can buy them. You can buy them for 100 bucks. Yeah. That's so super that, cheap. That's the move. If you have a Osmo Pocket or an Osmo Action or mm-hmm. whatever. They works with the, the Pocket move. 3. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's super duper cool. Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. Man, if I, whew, I would totally, I would totally pick up one of these if I had an Osmo Pocket 3. But if you're buying this for shooting interviews or something like that, then I think the Rode Wireless Pro is probably the better option. Yeah, definitely. It's got eight gigs of internal storage. And as we both know, those 32-bit files are pretty Uh, huge now. I mean, an hour recording is probably going to be like a couple hundred megabytes. Yep, yep. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think it's a a reasonable upgrade. But it's kind of a good lesson for these companies that, you know, we got burned on the first one. And that just pretty much makes me not even want to consider this. I don't understand why these companies haven't gone to Sony and said, can you please put in your firmware wireless mic support? Let's just do this thing. Yeah. Or like Panasonic or something. Cause that would be super duper cool. It would. I mean, I would, if there was something that natively integrated with our Fuji cameras that was wireless, like, mm-hmm. I'd be into that. Oh yeah, definitely. Now with, we've been like, we've been talking about going road like forever and I feel like it's just going to happen sooner than later. We're kind of maybe waiting to see what the, what's coming out, waiting for the DD reviews to hit that sort of thing. But, uh, I mean, the time code, pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool ad. Yeah. Like Fuji came out with that firmware with the, with the blue sync time code stuff. I feel like this, this is going to be the year we get into time code. Oh, for sure. Just going to have to figure out the right path. Yeah. I think, I think I've cracked it, but I think we're going to have to save that for like a different, a different time. I want to, I want to get into like some of the time code stuff Mm -hmm. and like the way that the Bluetooth stuff syncs and like the new Fuji time code features. Cause I think that there's a weird, a combination of devices that we could buy to like fully time code our entire setup. And it's a little ridiculous, 
but I'll talk about that. I'm, later. I'm ready for it, so we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> it'll be like it'll be like three episodes from now or something. Yeah, yep. but that's that's gonna be good. Yep. Okay, I got like I know I know it's like almost there. I have one more thing. All right, let's make it quick. And it's not like it's not like the one more thing. One more thing. Oh man, I'm not like this is. We're not talking about the Vision Pro. <laughs> like, go listen to another podcast. And, uh, we're not talking about the Vision Pro. One more thing. <laughs> it's a lens. Obviously, it's a lens. <laughs> obviously, it's a lens. <laughs> okay, this came out like. It was the announcement, right? We were like, oh my gosh, it's a Panasonic event at CES. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I was clearing my calendar. Yeah. And then they're like, here's the lens. And then we just didn't talk about it for a month. Yeah. Okay. They came out with a new macro lens. Yep. I've seen some stuff on this. I mean, I didn't watch it, but I saw that people were talking about it. It seemed like people are excited about this lens. This is, it's a cool, it's a cool deal. Like it's not extraordinarily unique in that there are plenty of $1,000, 2.8, 1 to 1, 100 millimeter macros or mm-hmm. 90 millimeter. I mean, if, it doesn't matter what match you're in. You're in Z or whatever. You can go buy your 90 something, 100 something millimeter, yeah. roughly this focal length, 2.8, 1 to 1. Yeah, this is no Canon never been seen before lens. No, no, it's not a it's not a 1,200 millimeter F8, uh, $20,000 yeah. behemoth that I'm going to talk about later. Not today. It's, you know. A decent macro, but it's super small. Like it weighs basically the same as the other lenses that are like in the same series. So yeah. whenever they released the S5 Mark II, they released a set of primes and they were like, all these primes are the same diameter and they all have the same filter thread and they're all basically the same weight and they're all F1.8 except for this one that's wide and we can't do 1.8. But here you go. And like you can just swip swap them out and they're all like, but it's like here's a full set they all breathe really easy mm-hmm. awesome this lens is a part of that lineup and so like it's pretty pretty good on the breathing it's fast as a 2.8 and it's a macro and you can shoot like uh you can shoot your you know normal video stuff or you can shoot your macro stuff and now you have a video option that fits your set of panasonic primes and you're covered from like 18 to 100 that's pretty cool they have it's, it's almost like having you know cine primes or whatever but just panasonic making them that's neat yeah, I mean, like, they're not Cine Primes, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, similar kind of concept, though. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's uh, I think it's cool to see that they're still kind of expanding this line. Hopefully, they don't feel like they're pigeonholed into that that size class. Yeah. But it feels like this really just kind of completes it, and you can you can get your macro stuff and do your videography with it, or if you're just needed for photos, there you go, you got it. Nice, pretty cool. Not as cool as seeing the S1H Mark II. Still disappointed about that. Sure. You know, cool. One of these days. Yeah. Camera of the year 2024 or whatever. Yeah. We can hope. I believe. (laughs) Just. I want to believe. You got to just hold out for it, Daniel. We're almost there. That's it for the show today. Thanks for joining us. And if you liked it, tell a friend so they can check it out too. You can find out more about the show at www.cameragearpodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Camera Gear Pod. We'll be back with more next week.